We are so happy that you are able to join us for today's message. Our hope is that it will encourage you in your walk with God and inspire you to reach those who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Hey, I'm really excited and really privileged to be sharing uh, with you tonight. And it's a simple word, but I pray and I believe it's going to be a powerful word as well. Jesus teaches simply, hey, so I figure we can do simple. Um, But the other day, we're talking on three worthy investments. We're talking on investments at the moment. And um, the other day, I was sitting out the back. And does any parent or any person who shopped, I don't know if it's Woolies or Coles, remember the Ushies? And I was sitting, I can't see if you can see these, but um, I was sitting out the back of my house and I was sitting there and on the ground I saw this ushi. And last year, this ushi would have been like the most prized possession in our house. And because it's a gold one, it's a rare one, so it's really special. And my kids, like last year, they were like, Mom, Dad, when are we going? I don't know if it's Woolies or Coles. When are we going? When are we going shopping? How much are you spending? How many ushis can we get? Can you spend a couple of extra dollars so that we can get some more ushis? Like it was full on. That was last year, and this year, most of them have been eaten by the dogs. Some of them have just gone lost, and this one's lying around outside. And it made me think about all of the investments that I've, like, poured in through my life. You know, I've gone, I've, have to, I've got to get this, I've got to get that. And they end up just being wasted, like I used them once, and they're done. Um, a couple of things that I've invested in, car organisers. Only the people that are laughing are the people that actually have seen my car recently. Cindy's like, so car organisers, jewellery organisers, pretty much any organiser that promises is going to organise my life has been a wasted investment because I'm still just as disorganised as I was before them. Um, Pregnancy pillows, anyone invested in, sorry, that was really weird, but like they're... Now I need to explain that. So they're these pillows that you like, um, they're really big, don't take a photo, don't take a photo of this. They're these pillows, they're these really long ones and when you're really big and pregnant, like you lie on them and they promise that you'll get better sleep. Did not work for me. Is that, uh, yep. Hair curlers. I was like, babe, we need to get a proper hair curler, simple one that I can use. No hair curler on the market is simple enough for me to use because I just singe my hair or burn my hair. I don't wear my hair straight all the time because I don't like curly hair. I just prefer to have hair, so I figure it's best to just do straight hair. You know, the list could go on and on with all the things that I'm like, babe, we've got to get this, we've got to get that, it's going to change our lives. But the truth is they're wasted investments because they end up not doing much for me. They might help you, but not you, not me. So tonight I just want to share three worthy investments that I believe and I know are going to bring something great to your life. Can we just pray? Jesus, I just thank you that you are here tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you speak to me, speak through me. God, and I pray for every heart here, Lord, that you will just speak to them as well, God. I pray, Lord, whatever I say that's not from you, let it just drop. Holy Spirit, I pray pierce hearts. I pray that everyone tonight will experience you. And those that don't know you right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray, let them experience you and be open to you tonight. We pray for salvation in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, so the first thing that is a worthy investment is people. John 3 verse 16 says, For God loved the world, meaning people, so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
God loves us so much he gave his only son. He didn't do that because he didn't care much for Jesus. He gave Jesus because he cared so deeply for us. And the one thing that will never be a wasted investment is anything that we give to people, whether it's time, money, effort, energy. It's never a wasted, um, a wasted effort or a wasted investment because people are God's riches. People are God's treasures. You know, in the Bible, Jesus tells a parable called, uh, about the Good Samaritan. And it's such a beautiful example of what investing into people looks like. Um, So let's just read that. It's Luke 10, verse 30 to 35. And Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on by the other side. So too a Levite, when he saw him, passed by. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took, to, took out two denarii, which is two days wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. You know, the interesting thing about this story is that the Levite and the priest were like um, devout Christians and they were Jews. And this person who had been beaten up was a Jew. So the Levite and the priest just walked past, even though they were supposed like they were Christian, God's people. But the Samaritan, who wasn't one of God's people, and in fact, Samaritans and Jews despised each other. Yet the Samaritan actually stopped and came and didn't just invest a little bit of time, a little bit of effort. He actually invested so much into helping this man. And we often wonder, why did the priest and the Levite not stop? I was reading an article from Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, you know, it's not that they were necessarily bad people. It could have been that they were busy. But what he imagined happened was that the Levite and the priest were too scared to stop. You see, that stretch of road where the man had been beaten was a particularly dangerous stretch of road. And potentially they thought that maybe, you know, um, on that it was windy, it was steep. uh, People often were ambushed and robbed there. And so they thought maybe the robbers were still there ready to ambush them. And Martin Luther King Jr. says that maybe they asked themselves out of fear, maybe they asked themselves, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? But the Samaritan asked a different question and asked, if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? You know, I have been the Levite, the priest, I've been the Samaritan. And most of the times when I've not stopped, when I've been like the Levite, I've been like the priest, sometimes it's because I'm on mission and I've got stuff to do, but most of the times it's because I'm afraid. You know, I may be afraid, you know, I, I, when I think of all the times I've kept going, there's been reasons I've, I've not stopped because I've been afraid of offending them. I've been afraid of getting caught in the middle of being, you know, someone being, being beaten up. I've kept going because I've been afraid of um, even just not knowing what to do. You know, sometimes what people need is obvious. It's obvious what we can do to help. But other times what people need is not so obvious. And it's in those times when it's not obvious, even just stopping and leaning in and going, hey, what can I do? Are you okay? Like sometimes that's just enough, just being able to stop. You know, a couple of months ago, I um, went down to my local shops and I pulled up in my car 
And just as I'd pulled up, it, was, it must have just happened, but a lady in her car had accidentally slammed on the, on the um, accelerator and slammed straight into a tree, like, um, like totally right, written off her car. And I could see that people had kind of stopped to see if she was okay, but when they noticed she was getting up and out of the car, they kind of just kept going on with their shopping. And so I was like, well, I don't know what to do, but I'm just going to stay. So I've come up to her and I'm like, she was an older woman. I'm like, are you okay? And she's shaking and she's like obviously in shock. And she's asking me all these questions like, what do I do? Do I turn my car off? Do I do I'm like, I have no idea. Like, no idea. I'll probably start a fire if I give you any wisdom at all on this. But I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I'll just stay here. And she's shaking and I said, do you need a hug? She's like, yes. And I've just like, she's given me this big hug and she's just burst into tears and I'm just hugging her. Anyway, I gave her no practical help, but I, none, <laughs> none. But I just stayed with her until um, her friend came and she was okay. And often in those situations, I try and think to myself, you know, if I was in that situation, what would I want someone to do for me? And sometimes all I'd want is for me just to not be alone in it. Like, I just want someone to be with me. Um, Luke 6.31 says, do to others what you would have them do to you. Hmm. I was going to have a drink. Have a drink if you need one. Yeah, have a drink. Um, yeah, I'm actually a little bit lost. Oh, yeah, the Levite and the... Pri- I'm not lost. I found my spot. The Levite and the priest may have had legitimate reasons why they didn't stop. You know, but we don't know. Jesus didn't actually give any detail to that. But even if they did have a real reason, all we've we've focused on in that story throughout history is the fact that they didn't stop. You know, and we've perceived them to be unkind. We've perceived them to be selfish and that we don't want to be like that. You know, God's been speaking to me about this quite a lot. And I've been in a situation recently where I've been with this mum and twice this mum has had um, her, tod- the, the, her toddler have a full-on meltdown. And in both situations, we responded very differently to it. Now, the first response that we did was, so the, the toddler's screaming, hitting, like, full-on. It was awesome. Um, and she was, it wasn't awesome. But she was obviously really stressed. And in that first situation, I was like... I didn't know what to do. So I didn't want to cause more attention. I didn't want to make her feel like more focus was on her. So we kind of just went about it as if, oh, that's normal. We kind of just kept doing our thing. We didn't stop and lean in to help. The second time that happened, same person, um, her toddler was losing it. And we, instead of not doing anything, we lent in. And I, I was like, hey, do you want me to hold the baby for you? And, you know, someone came and, like, tried to distract the toddler. And we were like, you know what, it's okay, it's fine. Like, we, we've, we've been there, don't worry. Now, on both those situations, she walked away, one of the times feeling judged and feeling really um, embarrassed. And the other time she walked away feeling, like, oh, encouraged, supported. You know, in those times when you don't know what to do, God's been really speaking to me about not just pulling back in that fear, but actually leaning in and going, hey, I don't know what I can do, but I'm here to help whatever you need. You know, people may not know why you don't lean in. They might not, they might not know why you don't stop. But what they do know is how good it feels when we do stop. Has anyone been at the checkout where they realise that they've over-budgeted and they've got too much and you can't afford what you've got? 
Well, I've been there and gosh, it's so beautiful when someone behind you goes, hey, do you want, uh, let me get this for you. You know, it is such a beautiful thing when someone does that and actually steps in. Um, You know, we may never see the return of what we may give. And I, but I love that in this parable of the Samaritan, we don't actually see that ending. We don't see that the, the man who was beaten gets healed and comes back and says, oh, thank you, and tries to bless the Samaritan. We just see that the Samaritan chose to stop with no um, agenda and no expectation. Um, before, I had little that I could give, little that I wanted to give to other people, little that I wanted to invest in other people until I first did some work in my own heart. Which leads to my next point, which is we need to invest in our heart. The most powerful thing that we can invest in our heart is humility. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord in all your ways and lean not on your own understanding. Humility is when we trust God and his plan for our life over our own plans. And it's when we allow him to lead us. Pride is the opposite to humility. It's when you don't trust God, you don't obey him because you think that you can do better. And we do what we want over what God wants us to do and we take the credit for it. You know, when we're filled with pride, um, we um, we often struggle with things like fear and anxiety and stress and low um, self-confidence because we've allowed these things to to be bigger um, than what God's promise of peace is. Humility is continually bringing our opinions, our opinions of ourselves, our opinions of other people, our opinions of the world, and even our opinions to God, of God, and it's bringing them to him and actually going, God, actually, what do you think about this? I'm going to choose to believe what you think over what I think. And, you know, when we, hum- when we humble ourselves in our thinking, everything else in our life changes. So when it start, if we start in our thinking and we start humbling ourselves and choosing to um, invest humility into our thinking, then our actions, the way we treat other people, the way we treat ourselves, it all starts to change. Proverbs 18 verse 12 says, Pride leads to destruction, but humility leads to honour. James 4 verse 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's a great example of this in the book of Daniel and it's of, of King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, King, God had given King Nebuchadnezzar uh, a great kingdom, great riches, honour. And um, anyway, so in his pride, King Nebuchadnezzar looks and says, oh, look at my kingdom, look at what I've done. And because of that, God takes it all the way and he takes away his sanity and he sends him out into the wilderness to live with the animals and... Um, did I say he took away his sanity too? Yeah. <laughs> um, he took, yeah. But seven years in the wilderness and um, in a moment of humility where God actually puts the, uh, where King Nebuchadnezzar puts the honour back onto God, he actually, God restores all of it again and he restores his sanity. He restores his kingdom, his honour and all of it just in that moment of humble because he, of humility because he was humble. And so we need to invest in humility because our humility is our protection. Humility keeps us relying on Jesus, listening to him, depending on him. But pride says, I can do better. I don't need to listen to God. And it leads us away from Jesus and it leads us away from his protection. 
You know, um, when I met Ross, I was doing a season in the snow and my dad had kitted me up with all like the skis, the boots, the helmet and everything. So it was three months and I got to ski every day for three months. It was awesome. And after skiing a few weeks, I was getting better and better. And so I took my helmet off because I was feeling a lot more confident. And my dad came about eight weeks into the season. My dad's come down to ski with me. And I skied with him for one day. And um, at the end of the day, he's like, right, Amber, we need to chat. He said, you are going too fast to not be wearing your helmet. You need to be wearing your helmet. It's not safe. And I, I, I can be stubborn, a little bit stubborn. Um, I'm going to look over here. Um, um, I, yeah, and I was like, Dad, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I've been skiing with no helmet for, for weeks. It's fine. Anyway, he's like, right, I'm not skiing with you if you're not wearing your helmet. That's it. So because I was desperate to spend time with my dad, I was like, fine. So I put my helmet on. Next, next morning, put it on, went out for the first run, and I'm going down the first run of the day, and a snowboarder comes and takes me out, and I go head first into a tree. Now, praise God, I had a helmet on because I don't know what my life would have looked like without the helmet on. I can be really stubborn, but when I finally surrender to God, I'm like, I look back at my life and I go, thank God I was, I was humble there. Or thank God I listened to you over what I wanted to do there because my life would be very different if I didn't. Excuse me. Another way of explaining pride is when we try to be enough or do enough or be good enough without God. You know, we can't make ourselves good enough. It's only accept, through accepting what Jesus did on the cross that we are made enough through his blood. And actually, when you're trying to be good enough or when you're trying to hold it all together, what you're often doing is actually holding Jesus away. And so what we've got to do is actually be humble and go, right, let the guards down, put the hand down and go, Jesus, I'm going to let this all fall at your feet. I'm going to let my life fall apart at your feet. And I'm going to trust Jesus that you are going to put me back together. And when we do that, we need to know that God will always put you back together better than what you could of yourself. And actually, the areas in your life where you were once weak will actually become a strength and it'll actually become something that God will be able to use to, be, to bring restoration and life and healing to people around you. So whatever it is that you are holding together, let humility lead you to surrender. And not just for your sake, but for the people around you that need to see God's grace at work. You know, the moon creates no light. You know, the moon is just a lump of, of rock. But the moon reflects, it positions, its, positions itself in the most perfect way to reflect the sun's light. And we can be like, we, don't, we can't shine light. We can't be righteous by ourselves. What we can do is we can stand behind Jesus and we can reflect his light, ref reflect his righteousness. You know, and mature Christians, humility isn't just something that we need when we first come to Jesus. I actually found it harder to stay humble than I did to be humble initially. So we need to keep um, investing in humility. You know, the more humble we are, the more God can do in us. All right, the third thing that we can invest in is Jesus. And actually investing in people and investing in my heart, I couldn't do until I first invested in Jesus. Investing in Jesus isn't investing in a, in a religion. It's not joining a religion. It's a relationship. 
And being naturally a stubborn person, before I actually hand my life over to someone, I actually need to test out, are they, are they able to keep me safe? Are they a trustworthy person? And when I started to, inv- um, to invest time into getting to know who Jesus is, I started to realise that actually he's the only person that I can trust my life with. You know, I started to read scriptures that said things like, God is my rock and my salvation. He's my refuge. He's my ever-present help in times of need. He's my salvation. He's my strength. When I started to read those scriptures, I realized, flip, there's no one else I can leave my life to. You know, and the more I read the Bible, the more I realized just how much Jesus loved me. And I started to get real perspective on how valuable I am to him. You know, I'd spent so much time and energy trying to be enough, trying to do enough. And when I brought it to Jesus, I realized actually all of that time was wasted. All I have to do was give my life to him and he did the rest. And talking about Jesus, um, talking about Jesus, because that's what we're here to do. I didn't mean to say that. Um, I'm going to read Isaiah 53. And it's in the Message about Bible. And it's talk, this is actually talking about Jesus, who's, um, yeah, when he died on the cross. And it says, he, he was looked down on. So we're talking about Jesus, just to be clear, in case I didn't make that clear. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who, was, who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the, wrongs with, all the, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're going to jump down to verse 11. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sin. I love that verse. It's talking about what Jesus did on the cross and it wasn't him, it wasn't his own mess. He chose to take on our mess and take on our sin and did that for us. You know, when we invest in Jesus, we give him our heart and straight away we experience that, the return of that investment because he's already done all the work on the cross. You know, when we give our heart to Jesus, it's like the floodgates open and all of the love, the peace, the freedom, the hope, the joy, the strength is immediately ours because he's already won it. He's already bought it on the cross. And it's a simple transaction. We say a simple prayer, Jesus, come in and straight away it's ours. You know, but the trick to getting the lifelong return of our investment in Jesus is to stay with Jesus. John 15 verse 4 says, um, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. You know, we need to stay in Christ's love. We need to keep depending on him, keep leaning into him so that he can keep teaching us, keep guiding us, keep protecting us. And when I don't invest in my relationship with Jesus, I'm the one that misses out on all the good stuff that he has for me. You know, Jesus is like our power source. You know, the Bible talks, it says, remain in him. It's like um, he is the trunk, the tree trunk, the vine. I'm the branch. You know, a branch that's away from the tree trunk is just a stick with no life and no possibility of creating life. But when you attach the stick, the dead stick, back onto the branch, that's when life flows through it and it flourishes. You know, when I was visiting my mum's house, 
Um, if the band can come, that would be awesome. You know, this investment, it's not a lifelong, it's not just a lifelong investment. You know, what God has for us, this life is awesome, but actually it's eternity. And when we invest in Jesus, it is actually an eternal investment, knowing that our eternity is going to be safe with him. When I was, um, I went back to my mum and dad's house in Sydney a couple of years, well, we go back every year, but about five or six years ago, I was going through some of the pictures that um, mum had of me from our photo albums. And there was one loose photo and it was of me as a baby. And I knew it was me because it matched all my other photos. And as I've looked at it, I've turned it over and there's a question mark on the back of it. I'm like, mum, she's like, I'm sorry, I had six of you. I get confused. Anyway, I didn't get this. She's a great mum. My mum is a great mum. And I didn't get how she could do this until I started having kids of my own. You know, Stephen Petra was saying last week, you said that you kept getting your kids' muddled names muddled up, but that you've never actually got your kids muddled up with your dog. Right. So my kids all the time get, get on your mat. I mean, Lucy, get on your mat. I mean, Moose. Like all the time they are getting told to sit on their mat when we're actually meaning the dog. So we have far gone beyond that. Now here's the thing. My mum got confused with a photo. She had six children. I get confused with my kids' names all the time. I have four children. Our Father in Heaven has 7.8 billion kids. Yet He still knows our name. He knows everything about us. He knows the deepest, darkest things that we don't let anyone else see. He knows things about us that we don't know ourselves. He knows how many hairs are on your head at any given time. He knows and He cares and He loves us, our Father in Heaven. He loves us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. And we don't need to have it all together to be accepted by Him. He accepts us as we are and He restores us and He gives new life and new hope. No matter what your life looks like right now, you can be sure that if you invest in Jesus, if you open your heart to Jesus and just let Him see what He can do in your life, your life will only get better. For more about Global Heart Church, download our app today or visit us at globalheartchurch.com.